Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Are you interested in checking out CBD? Well, I've got the brand for you. Today's episode is sponsored by Beam, which is a full-spectrum, THC-free, third-party tested CBD that I personally take daily. You can purchase their salve, which is basically a lotion, their tincture, or their bars online at beamtlc.com. That's B-E-A-M-T-L-C.com. Plus, use code FRECKLEDFOODIE15 for 15% off the entire site. Friends, before the episode begins, I do want to give a forewarning that this episode covers a very um, serious topic. We talk about the death of a loved one and more specifically suicide. And so this can definitely be a triggering conversation for some. I want to make sure everyone is just aware of that before it begins. Also, I want to note that we are not professionals. We are speaking from personal experience of the guest. And if this is something you or someone you know is struggling with, we highly recommend seeking professional help. More information on this can be found in the show notes, but if you or anyone you know is in need of support, we highly recommend the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-8255. Now that you have all of that information, um, let's kick it over to the discussion I have with one of my best friends, Emily Bina at Samsung 837 Studio. Today, I'm with one of my best friends who you guys might recognize her voice while she starts talking because she's the person that's speaking throughout our wedding video because she's, are you technically like a minister or what are you, ordained? I'm ordained. Uh, I don't think I'm a minister. Okay. Father Emily Vina Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is what we called her all wedding weekend, but one of my closest friends that I've met in, I've talked about this before, but the quote unquote real world, um, who knows me better than like almost anyone else mm-hmm. better except for maybe the next guest or Rogers. Um, but truly a gem of a human and someone I wanted to have on here because not only is she the most articulate person I know in the world, which is why Joe and I asked her to get ordained and marry Zero us. Zero pressure. Uh, <laughs> you're just going to be like, Hey, like what's up? Um, but also to talk about a topic that is, near and dear to her heart and also an emotional one and a very serious one. But before we dive into all of that, Emily, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, you're means the world. Thank you for being here in this space and hanging out with me on a Sunday night. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's kick it off with how would you define success? Oh my gosh. You know, actually I was prepping for this 
um, conversation, knowing you would ask that question among many other <laughs> things. And I was like, damn it, I have no idea how I'm going to answer that. Um, well, that's the hard thing now because I like, like, I really enjoyed the fact that in the beginning, no one knew I was going to ask mm-hmm. that question. So no one prepared for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy that you didn't have an answer. Yeah. And it's been nice to ruminate on anyway, because I think there are some things that have would feel obvious to me to say even like five or 10 years ago, um, having to do with like ambition or a yeah. really literal idea of success. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel really lucky. I love my career and have felt successful in the um, projects that I've been a part of and the things that I've gotten to do. But I think more and more lately that my idea of success in sort of the micro way is um, having time left over. Because, Interesting. Because I realized when I um, when I have time to myself, then I'm really good at giving it away. Um, yeah. And I, I was actually, this is so funny, talking with Cammie's dad, Judd, the other day about, <laughs> I did. about like having time to yourself, um, sometimes unexpected. Like I had a few weeks between jobs last summer uh, and I took time to write thank you cards that I hadn't written in like mm-hmm. five years. You told me this. And I feel most like myself when I have extra time to give to other people. And I think it's not just in a sort of... um time management or getting more things done or efficiencies. Mm -hmm. I think it's that I'm most proud of myself when the extra space I have goes to other people. And so it's sort of this kind of physical and emotional sense of like, I'm doing things right if I have time left over for people. I really like that. You know what I mean? I do, because it's not as if you're saying, oh, I want some free time to make more plans with whatever, whoever doing mm-hmm. things that I do every day. It's more, maybe it's taking time for yourself mm-hmm. or maybe it's giving time to someone that maybe needs specific time in that moment. Yeah, it's 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 just like preserving it for something I don't know about Yeah, yet. And I like, I think of time as pretty flexible anyway and I'm a producer in my career and so I think also we operate in a way that's like, you prep for something and then you also expect it to fail and have to redo it. And so which is where we differ because you're really good at that. Yeah. And I'm just really comfortable with things going awry. Um, But then I like to think if I've padded my time or my energy, then I have things to give away. You know, it's just, it's sort of like a, if I'm all the way fueled up, then I have Mm -hmm. so much more to give. And I'm sure that's true for everyone, but I think of it in a really um, sort of physical use of time. I really like that answer a lot. Take it. Have it. Well, it's Do yours. It. <laughs> we share enough. That we can do. be yours. Do you feel like you're in that place right now? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I feel so good and calm lately, um, which always has its spurts um, mm-hmm. and for so, so many different reasons that I feel like this right now, but uh, – I know we'll get into this. The last couple of weeks have been particularly hard. uh, Mm -hmm. And I come out of grief and come out of anxiety or what fill in the blank, those moments where you just don't feel like yourself. And then to be back in touch, like I feel really in sync right now. Um, And it feels feel revived almost. Yeah. Yeah. And it's to me, that's always calming. I think some people may be energized by feeling in sync with themselves or like, you know, when they get back to feeling how they want to be feeling and, mm-hmm. and whatever whatever that is. Um, and for me, it's just always a really calming feeling. 
So that's how I feel. You're a very calming person in general. Thanks. It's interesting that that's the way part of that is how you define success because I find you to be a very calming soul. Mm. I mean, we have like therapy session, phone calls all the time. <laughs> but just someone that I can say honestly whatever the fuck I'm thinking, mm-hmm. like the most horrible thoughts I have or – They're safe with me. The most, you know – may seem like bragging thoughts I have. Mm-hmm. And I feel we're able to really lay it all out there. Definitely. Which is an amazing trait of our friendship. I agree. And I like I like being that person for people, if mm-hmm. I can. I mean, only sincerely, not just excessively. Um, yeah. But certainly, it it's such a back and forth, and I feel so lucky to have that with you, too. It's the best. It is the best. <laughs> what would you say your favorite characteristic about yourself is? Oh, I forgot you asked that one, actually. It's usually in the middle of the show, but we're really Here on we that are. track right yeah, now. Yeah, we'll act, we're actually just going to shut the show down after this. <laughs> the short app. Um, my favorite quality about myself, I think I make fe- people feel really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I And I enjoy it a lot. You know, not just welcome or included, but really like... I love asking people questions. Makes me a tad uncomfortable to be sitting on this side of the microphone right now. <laughs> Cause I just I think people you can ask feel questions too. Yeah, I probably will. It's okay. People feel really loved and when I think they feel really known. Um or at least I operate under that I assumption. Think most I, people do. I know I do. Yeah. And I, I love getting to know people, even if it's brief. Um, because I think it's just sort of a nice way to love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I'm, I think I'm good at that to make I think people you are feel too. really included and listened to and, and they acknowledged. are acknowledged. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everyone wants to be acknowledged. And I think with that, with your adaptable self, able to ask people questions and interest in people, I think you're someone that's, you're able to enter any type of situation mm-hmm. and seem like you've always been there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Any group of friends, any party, any whatever, mm-hmm. you're very easygoing in that sense. And you easily make friends, but you seem as if that's just where you've been forever. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. Thanks, Cam. And I don't add friends easily. Oh, I mean, no. I don't accept. Oh, no. Ours was a long interview process. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it takes a lot like, to break through mm-hmm. to be in my inner circle. Mm-hmm. I'm pr- not protective, but it's just. You know, but you're very you're, I've got you're great so people, loyal. So they're, yeah, yeah. I and love I th- really hard. Yep, yeah, exactly. And I think you know it's such a good use of your energy. But I think then it has to be reciprocated. And there's a definitely that's why your friendships are so meaningful on both sides to you and mm-hmm. to be friends with you is meaningful. I agree. I love very hard, but I have very high expectations. Mm-hmm. So our friendship. We became friends, how many years ago was this? Four and a half? Probably five and a half-ish. Was it? Because maybe. Anyway, Emily was dating, (laughs) whatever, one of my best friends from home. um, And you were the first, like... Sup, Jay? Yeah. Hello, Willis. (laughs) Um, One of my guy... You were the first of my guy friends, girlfriends Mm -hmm. that I had really met and become close with. Yep. And then we formed our own relationship, and she I remember did. our first date. First date, we went boxing. Shadow box. <laughs> Shout out, shadow box. And then I think we had a meal. I don't remember. Anyway, since then, we've just continued to get closer. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting, the topic that we're going to discuss, mm-hmm. which we'll get into now, was in the very beginning of our friendship, yes. which is why I thought maybe it was four and a half years ago. Oh, 
Um, no, because I bet we had known each other a year. No, because mm-hmm. no, I know we didn't because you brought the Bread's Bakery mm-hmm. to my beach house yeah. that first time we met. Mm-hmm. And that's why I shipped it to Holy you. Holy shit. So, so we, we had really just met. Yeah, we had just met and Emily's brother passed. And I'm someone who I think I've been around a lot of close family tragedies or not tragedies, but deaths mm-hmm. in my upbringing that I've become very comfortable with the discussion of death mm-hmm. and the discussion of emotions and talking about it instead of just not acknowledging it. Yeah. And so I remember we only met a few times, but I was like, oh, I have to reach out to her, obviously. And I sent you a text and I actually sent something to your house in Minnesota. And I think that then opened a new part of our relationship that just continued to evolve. And now I'm totally like projecting my feelings onto you. No, I wrote down the same thing and I was just gonna, I'm already gonna cry. It's okay. We're probably gonna cry. Um, I can't tell you, Cam, how meaningful all of that was. I was gonna say too, uh, after my brother died and I was back in New York, Again, very new friendship. Um, mm-hmm. And Cami, I don't know if you were. I was on my two weeker, and we went to Tabunet. Yep, and you came and took me out to lunch, and it was one. I love thinking about that because food is so important to you. Mm-hmm. And now for it to sort of have manifested into this career that you have, and to see then that you were like loving me that way so specifically mm-hmm. already. Um, it's my love language, it, but it was also just so brave. I mean, even though you're comfortable or you've been around people processing death or grief to just, I mean, you love heart. That's exactly what Mm -hmm. you just said, but to just take it on, um, without really, I think knowing not just what that meant or what to ask, but people shy away from discussing grief, um, or loss because they think it will remind the person that they're, they've experienced something hard. And I was just talking with Ellen, my sister, about this. Her twin. And you can't remind us. And that's everybody that's who's ever lost something. Say. It's not as if you ever forget that moment. Yeah. I'm not telling you something. By bringing it up, it's not as if I'm saying, oh, hey, do you remember? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you think I'm sure it's a thought that's constant. And mm-hmm. in my opinion, I, I put myself in the position, if I lost someone that close, for instance, the only person I've lost very close in my family is my grandfather. Mm-hmm. And I would talk about Papa 20. I would love to talk about him all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. And so if I were in that position, I would think I'd want to have those conversations, obviously with certain people, not with every single person I passed on the street, Mm -hmm. but with the people that I'm close with and who maybe want to learn more. And Mm -hmm. I think that was also part of it. I had never met Lou. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to hear more about him and who he was and hear stories. And I think... People specifically shy away from grief and discussing death. But I think there's another layering on the situation because I think people specifically shy away from suicide. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's, um, yeah, it, it, it shuts people down um, in a way that is, There's just nothing to say. You know, I think that's Mm -hmm. first and foremost, I totally understand why and how people struggle to even have a conversation around it, let alone grieve through it or anything else. It is um, the most complex sadness I've ever felt. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and, and, and there's just not a space for it the way that there is with other death where they're sort of, it's, it's isolating and it was isolating for my brother and his depression, of course, but it's isolating to try and discuss suicide because you think about something like cancer, Mm -hmm. um, there are fundraisers and there are events and there are survivors Mm -hmm. and, even survivors of suicide still don't have community or celebration. It is still a really tragic space. Absolutely. Um, And so I think it becomes more isolating or it's cyclically isolating. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my family has always been really um, steadfast in sort of our active use of the word because um, lose life was still so much bigger than his death. I love that saying. You've said that before. Mm -hmm. And I think that really characterizes it perfectly. And I want to say very quickly before we continue this conversation, Mm -hmm. this is our discussion on what you went Mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. And we are absolutely not trained professionals in this topic. So if there is anyone listening who's going through similar feelings that we're discussing, obviously seek professional help. Mm -hmm. This is not a guide on how to, you know, we're more talking about Emily's situation and hope, I I really want to just open the discussion because Mm -hmm. like we've talked about, I think it's really swept under the rug. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something I'm so admirable of how you and your entire family have gone about handling this situation and what you've made out of it, because you're starting the conversation that should be had by many. Mm -hmm. And around the same time, I lost a close friend and I just feel like the conversation helps with the grieving. Yeah, I agree completely. And if there's anyone listening to this who, whether they've lost someone, and we're talking about general grief, but especially if they've lost someone to suicide, that's those are the people I really want to mm-hmm. reach. Um, so it, I just wanted to put that quick insert in there. Yes, thank you. I think that's really important that it's very... Uh, singular, every experience. I mean, we talk about that among my family now. None of us did the same things to grieve after Lou died either. We all did very different things and gave Mm -hmm. each other very different space to figure out what was going to work for each of us. The the complexity, and this is lessened by a lot. It it was four years this September. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's lessened, but like I just, I was sure I could save his life. Yeah. Absolutely sure of it. Um, and we love really intensely in my family as well. And it, it was like we lost this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's what's complex too is that like it's not like the cancer treatment didn't work or something like that. Yeah. You have something that still feels external. It's that depression is a bitch and – it takes so many lives, not just suicide, but, you know, the way people are able to live, the sadness or anxiety or fill in the blank that they live with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just don't do anything. We don't do enough for saving people. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's one of the main reasons I want to have this conversation and put it out there because I think it's something – that some people feel so much shame over. Yeah. 
And I think that shame is so isolating and so disruptive on every aspect of the situation. Shame that maybe Lou or someone else was feeling of his or her emotions. Shame that a loved one is feeling who loses someone to suicide. Yeah. Just all of it. And I feel the conversations that I know you've had publicly and, you know, you were – I'm I'm just admire so much the way that you handled this situation with such grace because, you know, a year later you were running half marathon in September and publicly saying my brother lost his life to suicide and I want to raise money for it. And very few people, I think, have the balls or the confidence to such publicly state that piece of information. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Um, which is just too bad. Uh, I totally agree. But I also can't – I don't want to put shame on anyone for now not publicly doing that because I've never gone through something like this. Yeah, and it and it's 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 definitely – I don't feel ever like an activist around mm-hmm. this stuff, but I try to talk about Lou all the time, and I would never not mention suicide. And I think it's it, – I think that's sort of like – as radical as we need to be sometimes mm-hmm. is to just not avoid it so much. Exactly. It doesn't have to be a big public display or a fundraiser, but it has to be checking in with people or saying suicide if it's suicide. Um, and, it, you know, like we've let this stuff live in the shadows for so long. And I think mm-hmm. it doesn't even feel particularly loud. More often than not, it feels like a very quiet effort for the last four years um and I am just as uncomfortable I'm sure as everyone else thinks they would be to talk about this stuff but it's just too important not to it feels like a civic responsibility in some ways it's like I can't not it it doesn't sit well with me to avoid something that is I talked about it before I ever lost my brother Mm mm-hmm and I also think maybe there's a sense of if I didn't talk about it, I'm almost putting more shame on that person. Yeah, I think that's definitely right. Um, because he's a, he's the best guy. He, like I already said, it this death is not his death is not bigger than his life. Um, but then it's worth being able to talk constantly about Lou and like he introduced me to Kurt Vonnegut, who's my favorite author, and mm-hmm. he would come home with like the coolest records and had such a musical part of him that like the rest of my family envied. My mom said mm-hmm. most people, some people can play instruments and others just listen to and appreciate music. And like all of <laughs> us are in that camp except Lou who is so talented and he's just so creative and he was so tall. Everyone always talked about like his wingspan. His hugs were epic because he could wrap himself around you like four times. And he's just the biggest, most gentle, most loving person, biggest grin on his face, like such a funny person. Um, my older brother, he was eight years older than me. And um, yeah, it's important to talk about suicide, but it also is because it then allows me to talk about my brother more. I agree. You know, it's, and that's what I think you're ultimately asking about not discussing makes it feel like there's shame when there's just not. Mm-hmm. There's just not any shame. I am so proud that I'm his sister. 
Yeah, as you should be. I mean, I unfortunately never got to meet him, but from becoming close with you and through you, Ellen, and your wonderful, incredible parents, mm-hmm. and being in your home in Minnesota, even though none of you were there. <laughs> Side note, Cammy went to the Super Bowl, stayed at my parents' house, texted my parents the whole time. They weren't there. They, they just weren't there, stayed but at my I love them so house. much. I still should talk football with your dad. Um, it's good. But I think through, I mean, by osmosis, I feel as if I learned all the incredible traits of him and as if he was someone I knew, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. And I'm I so think happy I feel way that. more connected to him than anyone else who may have passed that's a relative or loved one of a friend of mine because I think you feel a deep obligation to share his story. And I truly respect that. Thanks, Kim. And more about on the sense of questions I have for you yeah. to maybe just to get out there. Yep. So what are the things that you wish others had done maybe after he passed? Mm. The way of approaching the topic or having the conversation. Yeah. And I know this totally changes per person. Totally. I think um, – I actually, I think you can't get it wrong very easily. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of fear and it's really a scary thing to approach someone in their grief. And I was totally a monster. And like, it was so cloudy. There are things I just don't remember for like weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, Total numbness, total, again, tsunami of emotions. I would just be like heaving, crying one night and perfectly fine the next day. Um, and that is exhausting for other people to be around too. I tried really hard never to be too apologetic about what I was feeling. Um, but I also, there's a responsibility to it to be like, I, I acknowledge that this is hard. Yeah. Hard. And it's grief. And I, um, but I think, I think the things that have always meant the most to me are people who just checked in and maybe I didn't answer the text for a week and then they'd check in again and be like, Hey, you still don't have to answer this text. Mm-hmm. Call me if you need anything. Um, and I think, yeah, to me that that crosses a lot of lines too. Um, that kind of showing up for people can be, it's what I said I think about talking about suicide in the first place is that it feels like a really quiet but constant effort. Uh, and that doesn't make it easy. But it's important. And I, so I think as far as wishing things from other people, mm-hmm. I feel I felt so loved um, by pretty much everyone in my life. So I feel really lucky for that. But if, but if it taught me anything, it was also to make sure if anyone's going through something, you know, even if it's, if it's job loss, if it's um, death, if it's, anxiety, breakups, anything at all, just continuing to say, I'm really here for you Mm -hmm. and you never have to take me up on it is the most comforting, supported I've ever felt. Right. No one's badgering you Mm -hmm. and making you do things you don't want to do. But there's the continuous when you need me, Mm -hmm. which may happen. Yeah. Or you may never need me and I'll just fine. see you for lunch one day. Yeah, exactly. But I'm here for when you do. Yeah, exactly. And then on the flip side of it, 
if anyone is listening who's lost a loved one Mm -hmm. to suicide, is there anything that you found helped you through the healing process or you wish you had known earlier on in the healing process? I, you know, I did sort of a anything goes Mm -hmm. trial for, for grief. Um, the company I was working at at the time had a really outstanding bereavement program sort of built in. So I got eight weeks of... Is that if you lose someone? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know companies had that. Yeah. Uh, actually, I bet a lot of bigger companies will have options like that wow. for loss. Um, or, you know, it's sort of not fleeting, of course, but circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had immediate eight weeks of therapy. I had never gone to therapy before that, and it was really great. It was It was really just like a separate hour a week to cry again and to, to someone who didn't have stake in the game, you know, dog in the fight. It just, so that was really great and cathartic. Um, my, most of my family members, lots of my family members did a lot of writing. I never really did. I think I was really afraid to write down and sort of felt like I was going to make permanent memories that I wasn't ready to make permanent because it was actually on a piece of paper. Yep. That's very interesting. Um, Shouldn't have given you a journal. (laughs) (laughs) No, I have used that just not for (laughs) these memories. My mom at the same time wrote everything every night. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to uh, siblings siblings who lost people to suicide groups here in New York City, um, which I can give to you and you can put in. We'll put in the show notes. I was just going to say that. Um, that was really great for a while, but I also, you know, my, my family, we processed because Lou's first suicide attempt was in 2010. We had done a lot of processing and I sort of thought of this period of, uh, period before we lost him as, um, sort of a grief limbo, like mourning and almost death. Like it makes you Mm -hmm. really sad to know that he had tried to take his life, but so, so happy that he was still alive. Mm -hmm. It's just a very funny terribly complex limbo and you still err on the side of gratitude. Um, And so this is all to say we had done a lot of processing as a family before we lost Lou as well and with Lou and we would go to Mm -hmm. group counseling sessions with him and just anything we could do, we were with him for it. Um, And so this group in particular for me, I think there was, there were people with a lot more questions than I had. I don't, I didn't have a lot of questions. I was, you mean the sibling? Yeah. Because they hadn't gone through the first yeah. Yeah. Um, and I never, I haven't felt a lot of anger. Um, it just was the deepest sadness I've ever felt. Um, and so you find that you start to go, I think, in a direction of grief. Maybe you are really angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then find the tools that help remedy that's the space you're in and those ebb and flow too I'm sure even though I just said I didn't think I was angry I'm sure I was very angry at certain points I'm sure people in my life could tell me the times I was really angry um I think it's warranted yeah I think all emotions are warranted me too aren't they the best I mean emotions are great uh I think it's really hard to ever more imagine. like freckled feelings Oh, yeah. Oh, can we rename? Do you mind a little rebrand? <laughs> rebrand Shall for we? this episode. Uh-huh. It could be like expert on expert of Dak Shepard's show. He does like different episodes that are with experts. Um, and he calls true or false, you bring up Dak Shepard four times a day. 
True. Very At Dax, true. you listening? I've tried DMing him 10,000 times so I read his DMs. Um, <laughs> anyway, I think it's really hard to imagine emotions and I think there's no emotion left unfelt, mm-hmm. if that's a weird way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I like that. And I think there's a lot of anger towards emotions of I, I, I don't want to feel this way and then you get mad and you're wrapped up instead of actually allowing yourself to feel that way if you're feeling angry go to a boxing class Mm -hmm. if you're feeling emotional cry don't hold the tears back yeah yeah and i think for me like the moving out of grief too and it still hits me like a ton of bricks every year there's always sort of the anxiety around the year marker each year Mm -hmm. um and i'm trying i'm always trying to think about how i might feel that day and like the third year it was four years i think i said this this september the third year i was like sort of fine this year I was in total mess. Um, and you mean leading up to the day? Leading up to the day and then the day this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just I, – I try to give myself space um, but also like prepare that toolkit. I'm like – like you're saying, if if I mm-hmm. know I'm going to be angry, I can figure out the ways to meet that anger like a boxing class or, or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm just thinking of I, – I like to hit things when I'm angry. Mm-hmm. Um, the anxiety leading up to the anniversary, I'm mm-hmm. curious about because I know we discussed it there at length it. and yeah. then you were at my house the weekend and the day of the anniversary. Yep. But is that beca- is that a fear? I'm always curious with anniversaries. Mm-hmm. For instance, um, 9-11 just happened mm-hmm. and we lost a very close friend in 9-11. Mm-hmm. So every 9-11 I text um, the children and the wife who are my family basically Mm -hmm. and you know just say I love you I'm thinking about you extra today but does that hit a point where it's just from the other side like the anniversary is just another thing because I think about this person every day so Mm. like does that bother you are you grateful for that are you you know no I'm very grateful for it and I think the anxiety for me is that um it's it's I think it's probably closer to something like a PTSD. Like I just go back to recalling what September second was when I found out four years ago. That makes a lot and it, of sense. And it's more like it's not that I ever forget, like we've said, that I lost exactly. him. It's that I'm reminded of the shock and depression and total sadness. Um and and it's just things that like of course that I don't think about every day. Who told me? My my mm-hmm. older sister called me. Um, I was at my office. I was in the control room, and I had a missed call from Megan, and I uh, called her back, and it, it it was it was like I knew already, which I think, again, in all of this meaning making, processing things we do. Who knows if I knew, but I just remember walking so quickly to a conference room mm-hmm. to call her back, and she just said, he died. Lou died. Um, and my twin sister, Ellen, lived in the city at the time, and she found out an hour before when Megan called her when I had missed the call. And she was living on the Upper West Side and was trying desperately to get to my office to tell me in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just was screaming. Uh, and Ellen was there like 10 minutes later. Um, 
And it's that stuff that's like, it's just so it's visceral. Yeah. Because um, I think that's something that's always going to feel very clear and vivid. Yeah. And it's as if you're being transplanted back to like that moment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, um, and I'm sure also it becomes self-fulfilling in some ways. Like the anxiety I'm feeling is also just preparation to grieve my brother away again. That's true. And I love my body and my brain for giving me that as much as it sucks to go through. It's, it is reminding me how much I love him and miss mm-hmm. him. Um, and I think it's just so heavy that like, that's where the anxiety starts to come in is the buildup and that pressure to just be like, Oh fuck. I have to, I have to rethink about all of these things because I miss him so much, you know, like I'm, there's no avoiding it. There's no real embracing it. It's just mm-hmm. going to happen. And I think there's, that's the preparation that I'm start, I start to get anxious about when I talk about that buildup. Like the day is just coming every day. I'm getting closer to September 2nd. Is there anything? And I mean, I am so incredibly grateful for you for having this conversation with me and so publicly, but we talked about this a long time ago when I launched my podcast. I mm-hmm. said I wanted to have you on. Mm-hmm. And then I asked you more seriously because I wanted to release the episode in September because it actually is Suicide Awareness Month. Yes. So is there any other, really anything, thoughts, advice, regret, whatever, mm. that you would want to put out there for anyone listening yeah. regarding the subject? Um, I think... That's a good question. We can edit out the long pause. I can also fill the space if you need because I have another point. No, I think, I mean, there's just so, I think it's that what what overwhelmingly, it's how we started, but what overwhelmingly feels true still about suicide is that it's isolating. It's most isolating for the people who are feeling these things. Mm-hmm. And that ripple is so devastating. Um, and I wish there were better words for it, but you're not alone, you know, survive. And that's why I wanted to do this. Yeah. And, and it's not just a message to people like my brother, but also to people like me and my family and my parents who have lost someone who is so wonderful and he shouldn't be gone yet. I'm eternally grateful for your friendship and for this conversation. And there's nothing more I wish than the opportunity to have met Lou. Mm. But I say this to you and Ellen a lot. I'm grateful that you have continued on such an incredible legacy that you make me feel as if I have met him. That means so much. Kim? You mean so much. (laughs) And I'm going to totally turn this conversation. Food. But we have to talk food. We have to. Are you kidding? (laughs) I prepped for this. Of course. And we can also shout out maybe one of Lou's because I know what it is. Oh, I was going to. It's already on my list. Okay, great. So Emily is also the friend who you guys might recognize. Oh, yeah. Forgot. I'm a staple in Freckled Foodie's life. You are a monthly, medium, and rare or month, monthly, monthly medium, medium rare, rare <laughs> not and. But we, for context, 
we found this article on Eater. I'll post it in the show notes. That was the top 15 steak frites dishes in New York. And we both love our steak and we love our French fries. Yes, we do. And it was January and I sent it to Emily <laughs> and I said, should our New Year's resolution be going to every spot on this list? So and she was kind like, of a Kind Duh. of a psycho move. Total psycho, but, but that's me. We're in. And you obviously said yes. Mm-hmm. So what have we gone to like eight so far? What month is it? September? Yeah, we've yeah. gone to eight. We haven't done September yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone once a month. <laughs> I, of course, like the crazy person I am, created like a shared Word document where we have a rating situation. And oh, we, she like pressures me. She's like, I just wanted to bump this again. I see I'm you like, haven't dropped yeah, your notes your in quite yet. <laughs> notes aren't in and it's been a week and you're going to forget what uh-huh. you felt when you ate the steak. Yeah. So we have a shared Word document. I've been <laughs> recording them. All of this is to say that by the end of our trip around New York City mm-hmm. steak frites dishes, there will be a YouTube video and a full blog post reviewing all of them. So if you want to wait until we're done and just go to the top ones, by all means, you're more than welcome to. But I it's mean, it's going to be a it's hit. It's so fun. It's so fun. It's so delicious. Um, I'm honored to be in this first food series. Yeah, we're venture. a club. A very club. exclusive club. We won't Extremely. include anyone else. Yeah. We're, so we're sorry. <laughs> we're sorry, but we're not sorry. <laughs> um, so what would be the three ways to your heart through food? It's a very easy question for me. French fries, cheeseburgers, um, and then, I mean, I could just, I could eat those things forever. If someone gives me fries, I'm like, I could cry. They're you, the best thing You in the love world. me so much if you've given me fries. Where are your favorite fries from? Oh, gosh. A few. You don't have to have a top favorite. I didn't I didn't think about specifics. It's honestly just like the Midwestern in me. It's it's more just about the potato anyway. I don't have a favorite. Where's good waffle waffle fries? I like waffle fries a lot. I was gonna well, my second question was gonna be what's your favorite style of fry? Is it waffle? No, regular. Like shoestring? Not wedge. shoestring. Ugh. Okay. I really like shoestring. Um I mean honestly, like McDonald's is pretty much a perfect fry. Yeah, I they that, are. Is okay, that so blasphemy? No, my gosh, no. They're amazing. Great. Um, Cheeseburgers from anywhere. I loved Salvation Burger, which R.I.P. That was was really good. Love Corner Bistro, obviously. You know what? I actually, yeah, hot take. I do not think Corner Bistro Burger is good. Shut this thing down. No, I'm serious, Someone take her blog away. You need to go again, like, soon and let me know what you think. Okay. It is, and you know what? I'm not alone in these feelings. Eater published an article about saying corner bistro is a staple but their burger sucks it is so thick it's like a big bite of like ground beef that's not really cooked well through and there's not a lot of flavor fair i was there the other night and i'm just saying okay i will revisit it please we do. can do a follow-up episode yes regarding corner bistro solo <laughs> discussion <laughs> yep. corner bistro burger um and then the last one the last food item i'll say is um lasagna because that was Lou's favorite food. Mm-hmm. And uh, the f- first year, he was uh, born in December. And so the first year we were together after a few months after he died, um, then we decided to make lasagna for his mm-hmm. birthday. And we called it Lasagna. And, you know, my sister, I think, put something on Facebook. And we invited everybody over that we knew who was in mm-hmm. town in Minnesota. And... 
it was just finally like an opportunity. Of course, it was sad still, but it's a time to celebrate him. Um, and I think why that's so meaningful to me now, because the question is food yeah, to, to my heart. heart. Um, it doesn't do your favorite food, but it's... It, it, so even the other day on the 2nd, um, my cousin texted my whole family and said, hey, I'm having lasagna now and I'm thinking of Lou and I'm thinking of you guys always. And people started sharing just to like, you know, among our family and extended family and you've done it mm-hmm. too. Pictures of them eating and cooking lasagna. And I cannot tell you how loved I feel and my family feels that people are so active in their love for us and for Lou. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it is, it is beyond meaningful. And it's the first thing Cam said when I said, I didn't know what I was going to do for September 2nd. (laughs) And so she's like, just come to my house. You can close the door and cry all weekend if you want. It's almost exactly what I did. Um, But she was like, we can make lasagna. Let me know if, it, if you need mm-hmm. to make lasagna. I was ready. And I had the ingredients. So if you said yes. It was just, I mean, I, like, I've never felt more loved than when people know these things. And they, it's like a nonchalant celebration of Lou, which feels so good. Because I also think something, and I was just having this conversation with, I think it was my mom because I was saying that we were doing this. Mm -hmm. And I think with suicide, people feel whether it's – okay, so maybe you don't feel this way, but in a situation I've been in, Mm -hmm. if the family is not as openly discussing the fact that Mm -hmm. a member of their family took his or her own life, Mm -hmm. such as your family was, Mm -hmm. I think it sometimes robs everyone of – the celebration aspect. Yeah, I agree. Because there's a, with suicide, there's a very almost gray kind of murky cloud of what happened here? What can we say? What are we discussing? Totally What's on the table? And so with that, I think people don't know how to reflect Mm -hmm. or celebrate. And in most cases when someone passes – it's a quote-unquote celebration of their life because Mm -hmm. it's usually a tragedy, but it's usually because of outstanding circumstances. Um, And I feel as if you've allowed for that celebration, yeah, which is probably very healing in its own way. I think so. And I think you're right. People treat it like it's a secret. Um, And it's everything we've already said that makes it cyclical. And Mm -hmm. one other thing I, I meant to say earlier. Yeah. Um, is also that I think it, this sort of just making it personal, like when I talk about suicide, I'm talking about my brother mm-hmm. and the way that we digest suicide as public information, I think of it in, in pop culture, it's like shame related. Somebody did something 100%. they're mad, they are embarrassed by and they take their life. It's related to shame. It's like, it's put in that category mm-hmm. or I think even more lately, it's um, it has to do with violence and shooters. You know, it, it is the end of a violent act. And Lou is not a violent person. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, suicide about that. rates are up 33% since 1999. I was just looking this up. More than it's, its highest rates since World War II. And Jesus it is Christ. not because there is mass shootings. It's because mm-hmm. there's depression and mental illness everywhere mm-hmm. that we're not talking about. And so 
certainly we don't have the language and we've not built good spaces in public to have these conversations. Um, but I think that's one of the biggest reasons to talk about Lou and talk specifically about Lou is because that's what suicide actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and we have turned it into something really shameful and it's a lot harder than that. Exactly. Complex. It's very complex. It's very layered. Mm-hmm. And shame should not be Mm-mm. the large name tag on it. Not at all. Well, thank you for doing this. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for I asking, you. Cam. And I I want to say, too, Cameron, it means so much to me that you took me out to lunch three weeks after knowing me and after my brother passed away. Of course. And that you were so careful in your invitation to have me on because um, everyone deals with loss. And this is a really specific lane of loss, I think. Mm -hmm. But also, like, I am so grateful for you because you feel responsible to have these conversations because you have a great following who loves you and trusts you, and they should. And I'm just so proud to be your friend. Um, You don't shy away from things that are hard. And in fact, you just make them easier for people. And I'm so grateful. Thanks, I'm crying. (laughs) I Good thing this so isn't much. an audio visual. <laughs> we look like yeah, we, crying messes. We've looked better. Um, I, I love you me. with all of my heart. Love you too, Kim. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there, at Freckled Foodie.